You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome, my Druids. This is Making a Druid. That's what we do. We are making Nancy Drew fans in real time. I am Teresa. I'm here with my friend, Allie. What's up? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Right now, we're going to break down episode three of season one, The Curse of the Dark Storm, which is a very uh, apt name for this episode, in my opinion. You're not wrong. It's a little on the nose, actually. (laughs) For this episode, The Curse of the Dark Storm. Um, We are on uh this is the third episode the curse of the dark storm and currently our dead body count still stands at where are we at two no one one we were yes, at we're still uh, one because it's just tiffany i was counting lucy for some reason we had agreed not to count oh her. yeah we we're agreeing we're agreeing not to count lucy we're only counting tiffany or people who die on screen so if you're wondering about that Um, thanks to everyone who's been, uh, reaching out to us on Twitter. We really enjoy hearing from you. It's really cool. Actually, when we started this podcast, however long ago, Teresa and I were like, you know what? No, one's going to listen to this. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. They don't have, we just wanted to get together to talk about Nancy. Um, but it is kind of cool when people reach out on Twitter and they're like, I hadn't even watched Nancy Drew yet, but I started watching it because of your podcast. So, and like Teresa said, that's the purpose of the podcast, right? So it's really neat. So if you have things to say to us or anything you'd like to add, we'll give you a shout out on the podcast if you have something to add to our, uh, our segments. So make sure you uh, stay till the end so that you can get our social media ads. All right. So like I said, we're still at a current dead body count of one. One. Or Tiffany. There will be more. (laughs) Spoiler, there will be more. So just to recap what happened at uh, last episode, we did have, it was the blood bucket ritual or whatever, and everybody was, quote, safe except George. Her bucket turned over and it was blood. Uh, Carson and Nancy finally had a conversation and Nancy confronted him about finding Lucy Sable's dress in the attic and he had a really convenient story but then we later see him burning it on the beach with an entire packet of matches an entire packet it felt so excessive so wasteful so excessive so wasteful and you know nancy moves along in her investigations right she sneaks into the morgue and steals some of tiffany's blood and sends it off to the forensic chemist that she has in her back pocket because of course she does Then we also see that she finds the number of the last person Tiffany texted before she died, who we as an audience see was Nick. We know that Nick has the cell phone. I don't think. Okay, fine. Teresa is very, very particular. (laughs) She's like, it might not be the ghost. Okay, it's Nick's phone, but. (laughs) (laughs) It was in his like little garage house thing. So uh, she calls yeah. it, and I it mean, is it's a safe phone. To assume it is. <laughs> so we'll see. So the episode starts with a nice little sequence of the Drew crew the day after of the blood bucket ritual. Uh, we see Bess in her van and Ace on his bicycle, and the little motorcyclist goes by going really fast, and Ace just starts pedaling really fast, <laughs> and it cracked me up. I can't. I. I can't help but think, was Florence not his car then if he's riding his bike to work today? Uh, or, or maybe he just, you know, uh, his car still hasn't recovered after the last episode. He was pulling a lot of cables and stuff. Oh, poor Florence. Florence. <laughs> maybe he just felt like getting some exercise that morning. But he <laughs> passes Bess's van and then he stops at George's place where George is frantically trying to get the blood off of her steps or the red liquid or whatever. She thinks that it was a prank um, and that someone is uh, joshing her. <laughs> is that still a thing? Do the kids say that? Joshing? No, no. I mean, I used no. to say that, so. <laughs> I mean, okay. Well, at least Teresa knows what I'm talking about. 
so she's frantically scrubbing and then it starts raining which is just a preface because this whole episode is centered around this nor'easter that is coming in and uh we'll get into that a little bit more but basically this town right their whole brand is about hauntings and being superstitious or whatever so for a nor'easter to come in apparently that means the spirits are all crazy or something that's what i got from that it's like is it i guess it's bad luck it awakens some sort of portal i suppose i'm not sure about superstitions i me either i don't speak ghost but apparently the drew crew writers do so (laughs) the first real scene we have is nancy waking up she does find the phone and figures out that nick was in contact with tiffany and she also realizes that with that text messages uh his text messages to her that he had the ulterior motives with the car which we knew about since the pilot but this is the Mm -hmm. first time nancy has put two and two together uh and now that she is out of her little shell again she immediately confronts him it wasn't like last episode where she waited till the end of the episode to confront her dad right no she jumped right into it she was just like asking questions like why do you have why were you the last person tiffany texted what was in my mom's car like she was asking all of these questions and they're very logical reasonable questions and it does not look good for nick and no it does not he does not do himself any favors (laughs) she's like if you want to gain my trust at all show me what you found in the car and he's like i can't it wasn't meant for you and you can see the look on her face she was just she wanted to be like are you kidding me it's my mama's car like yeah which is why i'm gonna bring back from my prediction from last time how did what if it was meant for whoever it was meant how did it end up in kate's car okay explain this to me because i who does kate know how is she connected mm-hmm. how did it she end is in not her as car? clean yeah if the like, message was from tiffany like yeah which yeah, yeah. it was a very good prediction. Tiffany, yeah i was like if tiffany knew Like, okay, if Tiffany sent that text, right, whatever was in there was meant for whoever. Clearly, it was meant for the person who she texted it about, which was right now Nick, right? And so Tiffany, Nick, we know they know each other. How does Kate get involved? (laughs) Yep, we'll have to find out. And this is where I put Nancy as the gif of the guy at the board connecting the dots with yarn. (laughs) (laughs) And because then we jump straight up from her from her confronting Nick to confronting her dad again. And she confronts him about the dress and she's like, where's the dress dad? And he's like, I threw it away. It was just a prank. And she was like, oh really? Cause I checked all the trash cans, dad. And I'm like, man, this is really intense. (laughs) Yeah. And all of his responses were very logical, but I made a note. I was like, Carson is a good liar, which I should have known given the fact that he was a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Somehow that just slipped my mind he isn't as soft as I thought. And this was confirmation. He did not, you know, feel attacked. He was, he was on his toes. He wasn't even taken aback at Nancy's accusations or, um, you know, inter- it's, it looked like an interview. Like she was interviewing him. Like if uh-huh. he was a murder suspect and he was just like super chill. And I was just like, good for you, Carson, stand I your ground. Also, almost- <laughs> oh, sorry. Continue. Also, I was like, also you, you sus Carson, you're sus. Yes. I do think though it's an interesting perspective if you look at it as a like is this a future version of Nancy like is this a Nancy Drew who has learned how to be emotive like to share their feelings because Nancy is still not very open right Mm -hmm. she keeps a lot of things inside um she's not open with her friends she's not open with Nick and you know is that going to change anytime soon we don't know but it almost feels like this is like what Nancy could be like, cause you see those glimpses of who she is in him, but he also knows how to open up to Nancy. Like he wants to be close to his daughter or whatever, but he knows how to keep a secret also. So uh, he must be very it, good at his job. He, I imagine he's very, very good at his job. <laughs> so Ryan, then we find out that Ryan is supposed to get all of Tiffany's stuff when she dies of natural causes, which is really like, and I think Carson's the one that mentions it later in the episode. That's a very interesting clause for a prenup. 
Yeah, it sounds it sounds like Tiffany, which kind of goes back to like me thinking it might be right. She's been hunted before and she kind of was worried about being murdered, which also- I was hearing you say, or she might be worried about being murdered, being a Hudson. Like, yeah, yeah. I was gonna yeah. say, again, again, with my theory, are the Hudsons kind of like a mob family, right? They murder yeah. people. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they definitely seem that way. Yeah, and I was like, and it also explains why Ryan would be so interested in covering everything up, even if I think he's innocent, because I do think he's innocent. But yeah. it explains why he would want to cover up a murder, even if he's not the one that's mur- doing the murdering. It's true. And then um, Nancy comes down and he seems really excited to meet Nancy. Like, I've heard all about you. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> my, my first thought was like, my everything, my all the alarm bells were ringing. And I was like, Nancy, run. This guy likes younger girls. You <laughs> run in the other direction. <laughs> I did think it was a little interesting that he was so excited to meet Nancy, but you know, we never really see anything come from that. It could, and you know what you, you mentioned, you think he's innocent. I mean, he could just be a nice guy who's really privileged. Yeah. I I mean, I don't think he's a nice guy. I, I think, I I don't think he's a murderer. I think, yeah, I, I don't think he's smart enough to be a murderer. Oh, poor Ryan! Not I, not that I'm gives, like on his he side gives because me he has like mean puppy vibes, like a mean dog puppy. Who, yeah, like he he like he would de- he's a puppy that would definitely chew up your shoe and pee Aww. in it. But if you yell at him, he will cower in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! And that is who I think Ryan Hudson is by episode three. <laughs> Well, all right then. I might we be wrong, <laughs> but we shall see. We do then see another ghost sighting. So this is ghost sighting number four. Yes, number four. Ghost sighting number We're four. Ghost sighting number four. But at this point, Nancy has left the room. So I put haunting Ryan, Carson, yeah. the house. I like, also I thought it was Ryan. I because because throughout this entire sequence, right, with them being in the house and Ryan going a little you know crazy Carson well, that happens later yeah yeah but oh, well, Carson yeah. Carson appears Carson is yeah. unaffected it appears so unaffected Ryan that I think Ryan is haunted but then at the end of the episode we'll get there in a little bit yeah um so Ace continues to be the resident ghost storyteller which lol I I don't know how he got cast into that role um <laughs> it must be the way that he tells it just so like monotone like whatever and he's telling the ghost story Karen shows up and Karen basically gives Nancy an ultimatum she's like I know that you have enough that you could put suspicion on Nick and if you don't give it to me by the end of the night you know you're gonna be the primary suspect and this bothers me because she's basically asking Nancy to sell out her friend because she doesn't mm-hmm. know that Nancy is sus- suspicious of Nick or whatever, uh, which that's wrong thing number one. And wrong thing number two is that she, she, you don't know her motives. Like, because she kind of tries to make it sound like it's because she cares about Nancy. I, mm, I, but at the same time, that's a really mean way to do it. No, it, yeah, it was manipulation for sure. There was um, no true love there. And it does make me a little suspicious, you know, makes her makes Karen suspect as to why she's so eager to get this solved so quickly and why she's just so ready just to pin it on Nick because he has a record, because Tiffany's involved, um, especially when, is it this scene where, where Nancy is like, but his records are supposed to be sealed because he was a minor. Like, how yes. did you get them? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which makes me, you know, she could have requested those and they could have been, you know, opened up for her. But that means that they were already thinking about Nick. So why do you need Nancy? Yeah, it was um, it was definitely an, an, an interesting scene, because like you said, she seems really eager for this case to be closed. Yeah. And it makes quickly. me uncomfortable. Yeah. Almost like she doesn't care who it's pinned on. She nope. just wants it to be closed. She just wants it to be done. Yeah. 
So <clears throat> there's a really funny scene after that, though, where George, Bess, and Ace are super 100% ready to sell out Nick, like in a really funny way. Like it was, it was a nice counterbalance to the menacing nature of her conversation with Karen, right? Mm-hmm. Where George, Bess, and Nick are all like, oh, Nick's guilty? You mean he murdered someone? Yeah, yeah, he's totally it. Like, because they they, they want to be like found innocent. But yeah, I thought that was a nice balance. But uh, Nick does then, like, uh, less than five minutes after he told her he couldn't share what he found. Uh, he shares. He shares he everything. Shares. <laughs> you know, and he like, he's like, I can't. And then he's like, okay, so I thought about it for five minutes and I decided that you're right. I should share. Um, I don't know. At first I was a little wary of him doing that. I felt too quick. Right. But then I'm also like, I think Nick is also aware Nancy's the smartest person in the room. Right. You want her on your side. And two, I think he genuinely cares about her. And this is a good step forward to show her that he can be trusted, that he knows he's not the murderer. He also knows she's not the murderer. They can solve this together. I do think it's kind of a twofold, twofold, right? He wants yeah. to gain her trust. I think he does genuinely like her. I also think that he thinks that she's the only one that can figure this shit out. Like he might be right. He's stuck. <laughs> he's stuck. He can't figure it out. Cause what he ends up showing her is a clock, right? And it's like an old school clock. It's not like a digital clock. It's a face clock. And it's uh, almost like, you know, the ones that they used to put on mantles, like fireplace yeah. mantles. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Like, That's what uh, he found in the car. So, um, and, and she does what Nancy does best, right? She figures it out. <laughs> she does. Um, she, and she figures out because, well, she doesn't figure it out until he shares a little bit more. Right. So he, he shares that Nick shares that Kate Drew was actually his social worker. All right. So there's your connection there. Uh, and he, the way he talks about Kate Drew, like he really genuinely loved Kate Drew. Like she, she must've mm-hmm. been an ally there for him when no one else was. And, you know, of course, Carson was his lawyer. So they, they kind of like, he had it. So he has a connection with both Drews and he did know who Nancy was before he met her. He did not he says he did not go out of his way to meet her because of the car or anything. He wanted to meet her because of her connection to Kate and who Kate was to him, which seems valid. We'll see if that holds up or whatever. Uh, but Kate is actually the one that told him about Tiffany being the witness who put him away and convinced him to meet with Tiffany. That was a really interesting sequence, right? To see Tiffany alive and not dead again on a morgue table. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Because he wouldn't talk to her, right? No, they were sitting in silence. And um, which, you know what? I get it. I also wouldn't want to talk mm-hmm. to the person, to, to the reason why I'm in jail. <laughs> in Wrongfully, prison. pretty much. Wrongfully, right? Yeah. Um, and this is a, the moment where I started to, un- I feel like I started to understand and even like Tiffany more. Like she felt more like a person to me. Uh, yes. Through Nick. It made her more Nick- human. Yeah, Nick made her human. Nick made me more interested. Up until this point, I think I was more interested in the Lucy story than I was in the Tiffany one. And Nick Nick made me more interested in Tiffany than Lucy. Um, and so it was a really interesting way because at that point, Nick was the best suspect. And then you come to learn he had absolutely no reason to murder Tiffany because they were friends because he would go yeah. visit him and like they made up and like they had like their own secret language and he was sending like he's literally speaking to him in the afterlife through these puzzles that she left for him right and so yeah. that's so interesting it's very interesting and like you know how she she reached out to him through books right and mm-hmm. that's the first clue that Nancy finds in the clock she finds the little number or whatever and then connects it to the book on lilacs right yeah so it it is it made tiffany seem a lot more like a human being and less like oh here's the murder of the week to solve like Mm -hmm. she and she felt guilty right that she put nick in jail because she only saw half of the scene but that half of the scene was damning enough 
that it put him in jail. And once she got to know him, she realized, you know, what, what was wrong. And I think that's because of Kate, right? Mm -hmm. Kate convinced her like this, he's not a murderer. You should meet him. And so she's consumed by this guilt to the point where she reaches out and they become friends. Yeah. And then it's also when I started to realize uh, a couple things about Tiffany, but Tiffany reminds me a lot about like, reminds me a lot of Nancy in some ways, right? There's, she's smarter than people realize because she was Tiff, like she's, she was a well-known person in the small town, right? Her family comes from money, like they're wealthy, which puts them in a position of power. She was a pretty girl. They probably thought she was dumb. And yeah, she was just an heiress. Yeah, that she was you know, just an heiress. Her family was wealthy too. Yeah, and so, but Tiffany turns out to be extraordinarily well-read and very smart and has a, gr- a great deal of a conscience that I, I, I didn't think she would have because in my mind, she... I equated her with Ryan and I think Ryan's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I mean, that comes back later, almost how he's maybe a little less of an idiot than we think for her to go to the links that she does in this episode. So, you know, but yeah, but it was just, and so this was so interesting to, to kind of, um see here and I don't I can't remember if it was during the sequence when we start learning that she likes puzzles and people you know um and things like that so in some ways she's a lot like Nancy which I think might be one of the many reasons why Nick is so attracted to her because he reminds her like he like Nancy reminds him of Tiffany who was a very good friend near the end I put that in my notes this whole episode feels like a Nancy Drew video game okay so you one one day if you if you ever get the time you should play a Nancy Drew video game this whole episode is a Nancy Drew video game with all the puzzles and the finding numbers that mean something and pictures and then (laughs) you know safes hidden yeah we'll get there but it does it feels like a Nancy Drew video game and uh, I I really like this episode so while they're figuring out all these clues right George is now cursed (laughs) oh poor George poor George she she you know because of the blood bucket and the nor'easter is here um this girl comes in and she almost gets like filleted by like a harpoon and and so (laughs) And so the rest of the Drew crew has put George inside a circle of salt and she's just sitting there and George is like, this is so dumb. Um, mm-hmm. But she, you know what? She stays there and she's sitting in her circle while Bess is over in the corner doing a job interview. It's the funniest little scene or whatever. Yeah. And it's so counterintuitive, right? Cause you would think Bess would sit in that circle happily. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Bess is the one that's like team ghost, her and ace. Yeah. Their hashtag so. team ghost. So Nancy and Nick end up finding out that the clue in the clock leads them to the, the lilac in. Mm-hmm. They go to leave and there's this really clever scene where we see two people leaving. They get in Nick's truck. Karen pulls them over and it's ace and Bess in disguise because uh, nancy knew that karen was following her yeah um the best uh, ace and Bess make such a great duo they're like clearly the first to jump in ready to help and they I love make it. a great duo now that they've gotten the whole romantic thing out of the way like they yeah. really do make great platankers platankers and i think it, it makes it less awkward because you're like part of it was the whole romantic tension made ace kind of creepy and now he's very endearing like he's very he's just there for best in any capacity that he, he she wants him to be and i think that's really cute yeah but that that was a nice little scene when nancy at the wheel of the car and she smirks as she passes <laughs> you know because it's just another one of those very frequent reminders we have that nancy is a very very clever person she's very very smart 
Uh, and it makes her even more attractive as a main character. It makes yeah. her more believable as like this really young person who solved all these crimes, right? You you get more and more visual evidence of that. Yeah, it it's you can see that she's just not someone who because there's different kinds of intelligence. She can think on her feet, right? And so, yeah, I put LOL. Karen can't outsmart Nancy. <laughs> <laughs> so. At the same time, ironically, or not ironically, uh, Carson and Ryan are going through basically all of Tiffany's assets, right? Because yeah. of that weird clause that says if she dies of natural causes, he'll get all her stuff. Which, by the way, may be a reason why Ryan is so invested in her autopsy coming out as natural causes. Maybe. Even if yeah. he didn't kill her. I don't think he killed her. I think the reason why, I think he's just taking advantage of her murder. At the, at the end of this episode, I was like, maybe he doesn't know who murdered her. I think he's just taking advantage. Yeah. So at this point, we don't really know. Does Ryan think she was murdered or does he really want to make sure that it comes out like as, you know, because he wants her assets. So one of her assets is the Lilac Inn, which she had been restoring um and basically Carson's like well it's almost out of your reach because once it's finished it's a historic landmark or whatever and you're not gonna be able to do anything with it anyways Ryan Ryan starts hearing things while this is happening and he's like I thought your daughter left and Carson's just chatting away amicably just like just living his life like completely doesn't hear Jack and Ryan, what I put, what is it with people in this show walking towards weird things? Because Ryan, Carson turns around and now Ryan is gone. Ryan has walked towards the weird noises. I would not, I would not be me. I, I could never, but I guess. I don't understand. Like, is this just like, why is everyone on this show? It's like when you watch horror movies and like, well, I mean, from the serial killer that are, that's walking. And you sh- or they go downstairs, they go upstairs instead of out the door. And you're like, why are you going upstairs? Where are you going to go? Yes. To, to be fair, most of these people don't believe in the supernatural, right? They live in a town that is built up on it, but they all think it's fake. It's so I guess yeah, it's a gimmick. So in Ryan's defense, he probably does think Nancy somehow snuck back home <laughs> and he went to go check her out. <laughs> I which is still weird. <laughs> it's, I'm not saying it's not weird. I'm just saying it's more reasonable because I also wouldn't think ghost <laughs> is my first thought. <laughs> um, because for him right now, I think he he really only heard noises. I don't. He hasn't seen anything really. Like he like how. Well, so, so, well, I mean that changes rather quickly. But <laughs> I was going to say. He jerks open the door to Nancy's room and nothing is there. But then he goes downstairs where Carson is still just talking. And bam, there is Lucy's ghost up in the corner of the room and Ryan freaks out. And that was a really creepy ghost sighting. So that's ghost sighting number five, right? Yeah. And it was really creepy. There's no doubt in my mind that whoever that ghost is, whether it's Lucy or not, they look very much drowned. Their body is very, they very do. wet. They do. Very, very, very Their hair, very, very, very wet. Uh, they, they very much drowned in some capacity or were in water near the end of their life. <laughs> and-, and at this point, though, we don't know that she's necessarily haunting Ryan, even though even though Carson can't hear anything or see anything because mm-hmm. of things that happen later. But it is interesting. This is the first episode we've seen that particular ghost is not necessarily just ha- haunting Nancy. Nancy. I do think, I do think it's Ryan. I think maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe it's not Ryan, but. Maybe it's the house. Come on. Maybe Maybe that was her house. No, I don't think it is. I think. (laughs) I am going. Because she thinks that I won't spoil her. No, I think, I, I think Ryan, I'm convinced Ryan and Tiffany, I know you said Ryan knew Lucy in the past, right? They went to school together. So. Well, they there were the is, same age. Yeah, I don't know so everybody I went to school together with. <laughs> uh, they went to, they were, and so I, there's a possibility Lucy might have some some anger towards 
towards Ryan uh, and could be haunting him. And so I'm going to stick to that theory and I will, that will be the end. If the ghost is Lucy, right? The ghost could very much be Tiffany haunting Ryan via Lucy, like using Lucy as a- Ooh, like a you know. ghostly medium type thing. Interesting. Yeah. So, well, anyways, he sees the ghost and he's like, okay, we're going to the lilac inn. Let's just go. And <laughs> Carson's like, do you see this storm? And he's like, you've got a dad car. You'll be fine. <laughs> Which is Teresa's favorite line. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you've got a dad car. You're fine. You're fine. And they just walk off into the storm. <laughs> Ace and Bess are driving down the road too in the storm. And Bess's van has been destroyed yeah, and Ace makes a comment. He doesn't realize it's hers. He makes a comment about how whoever that is, is going to be, you know, a real bad day. I think in that moment though, the way she reacted. He knew, he totally knew. Uh, you said that he, he's, he didn't know when he started that comment by the end of the, when the words left his mouth, he was like, Oh crap. I, I really stuck my foot in it. <laughs> yeah. I think he, I think he's very attuned to people. I think yeah. that's what makes him such a good spy, right? That he's, he's very attuned to people. <clears throat> they, they, uh, pick back up with Nancy and her and Nick are at Lilac Inn and she is trying her darndest to get this story out of Nick about the manslaughter charges and he is not having it. Uh, he's not comfortable sharing it. And she just keeps pushing, which is not cool. Really? No. It's just like, it wouldn't be cool if he were pushing about her mom. Respect people's boundaries. Okay. It's not cool. Nancy, um, especially when he's, he's already sharing a little bit more than I think she has shared because of oh he's one hundred percent sharing um especially given the fact that he has to, he's sharing he shared the clock with her right so yeah he is by far more open with her than she is with him and I think he deserves a break <laughs> I agree I am Team Nick at this point Team Nick they do figure out though using the pictures on the walls of the authors Nick figures out that uh, there's a clue in the kitchen. So as they start to head to the kitchen, Carson and Ryan arrive and Nancy's like, well, crap. Hey, dad. So they head to the kitchen. And again, Nick just knows based on like the books he shared with Tiffany that the clue is in the cupboard, which very convenient place for the clue to be. Because, you know, <laughs> it's kind of like a hiding spot also. Yeah. I just want to put this on record. I knew the immediate, immediately as soon as I saw the, the brick wall, exactly what was happening because I read Edgar Allan Poe as a kid. <laughs> hey, yeah, you did. Anyways, Ryan walks in and he immediately starts like stripping the end down for parts, which gosh, that made, it bothered me on a whole other level. Cause this was something his wife truly cared about. Right. And she was restoring this place and it's, it's painstaking, right. Restoring something historical like that. Yeah, and like, he's that. like, he's like, Oh, we can strip it down for parts. And I'm like, dude, you're not, you cannot be that desperate for money. Get a job, get a job. Stop ruining this passion project. She had that's like almost done. And this is the point I wrote down. This is the point where Carson points out how interesting of a clause that was in their prenup that he would get Tiffany's money. Cause I think at this, at this moment, Carson realizes just how desperate Ryan is for money. For money. Yeah. And yet somehow he can still afford to pay Carson. So I'm not convinced he is paying Carson. I think it might be someone else that's paying Carson oh, through Ryan. So you think he's he's got a sponsor? Uh, yeah, I think. I don't think he's completely broke. I think he's what rich rich people broke, which means they probably still have money, just not what they're accustomed to. Yes, um, rich people broke. <laughs> <laughs> Something I will never know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I would never know that too. But um, he. I, I still don't think he, I don't think he's paying. I think he, he's getting the money from somewhere else. Ooh, okay. Well, we'll see. But then also Ryan has a, a rare moment of what appears to be vulnerability in this scene. 
because he mentions do you think tiffany was haunted so this gives us like a little glimpse into like ryan thinks tiffany was being haunted right because he mentions the protection charms and all those things but now we know he's also being haunted so both he and tiffany were being haunted by something and this is kind of his way of testing the waters with carson right to see does Mm -hmm. carson believe in things like these is he a confident someone i can trust with this information so and it seemed it did it seemed to be a, a rare moment of sincerity like, I don't feel like Ryan has a lot of those at this point. No, he does not. This might be like the first real one that we get to see. I don't think he's yeah. had one. <laughs> yep. Um, but then it cuts back to Nick and Nancy. They're in the small cupboard. And Nick, at first, it seems to be that he's having a claustrophobic episode. But then, and I'm not a, I'm not a therapist by any means, but it kind of seems like after he starts talking that it's, actually a moment of ptsd yeah i i think i i agree i think it was it's triggered by small spaces and i think it was ptsd because he started he started talking he has, and letting he letting yeah. he, he started letting things slip that i don't think he would have otherwise and he ha- he also has that one line where he mentions uh you want to take me back there so it's almost like in his mind, he's slipping back to that time mm-hmm. where, you know, the, the manslaughter happened. But Nancy's able to talk him down. They have a really nice moment, right, where she focuses him back on the present. And they actually figure out the key in the clock. I put that scene was really cool. Uh, how they figured out the time of the time it happened and the the day it happened that they put in the clock and then they found the key because it really was at this point it is very obvious that Tiffany whatever this leads to is it's connected to that night the night Mm -hmm. that she saw what she thought she saw and the guilt that she carries with her because of it and this is her way of trying to absolve herself maybe of that or absolve some of her own guilt yeah even though she couldn't talk to him yeah there was she didn't know she was gonna die but no there's this really interesting line I can't remember what it was or if her word that Ryan says about Tiffany and it's something like related to karma or something like that that she truly believed like she needed to do good things because that's why she was being haunted yeah Yeah. and and I find that so interesting because I wonder did that start simply with Nick or did that start from before before Nick like was there something else she was holding that made her feel guilty beyond Nick and Nick was just Mm -hmm. the most tangible thing that she had to fix yeah she yeah the line was something like he felt like she felt she was being haunted because of the things she had done so she was trying to fix things. So like I said, she didn't know she was going to die. And yet she still set this up for Nick because she wanted him, you know, she wanted to try and fix that situation. They put the key in, in you're right. They figured out that the safe was behind the brick wall because of Edgar Allan Poe. And they took down the rock, uh, the bricks and they opened the safe. And it's just a box, right? It looks like your common lock box or whatever. And mm-hmm. they quickly brick it back up, but they drop a wine bottle. And they very much did. Yeah. And so Carson and Ryan come running, but by the time they get there, Nick and Nancy are gone. So convenient. <laughs> so convenient. Of course they were. It, it does. This whole episode has felt like an episode of Nancy, uh, 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 one of the Nancy Drew video games at this point. When they go outside, creepy Karen shows up and <laughs> basically confronts Nancy. Like, have you thought about my deal? And so which forces Nancy to then tell Nick, right? Everything like about the deal. And he's like, wow. That's a really good deal. And in that moment, it almost felt like he was trying to like tell her it's okay. Yeah. Like, like he, I realize like, I'm suspect. And and I mean, who knows better the consequences of 
good things gone awry Mm -hmm. than Nick. (laughs) Yep. Uh, But then Nancy has a really great line and she's like, your whole case around Nick is based on this and I have no choice but to prove you wrong. And she does. She does just that. She's like, your whole case is based on the fact that you think Nick was out for revenge against Tiffany, but Nin and Boo Boo, Tiffany and Nick were best friends. Like, yeah, they, they had no reason. And she even pokes fun at the police again. She's She's got to be careful because like she keeps making fun of the police, but she's like, yeah, your officers threw around these books awful hard, but they didn't even bother to look inside where there's an inscription that says, love Tiffany. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, how good are they? It's like, it's a good point. Like, if you really are investigating, as someone who watches a lot of true crime, a lot of cop shows, all that stuff, it's the, the clues are in the most obvious yet less suspect places. And that includes inside of books. You should read the books. Those are important. I think that this was also Nancy's way of being like, yeah, they didn't find this because they were looking for what they wanted to find. And they wanted to find evidence that he was out to get Tiffany and not the other way around. Mm -hmm. We see that in Karen, right? Karen is very much on her own agenda looking for a specific outcome to this case. And so that's what they were looking for. We head back to the claw after she shuts down Karen and George is in the circle. She has an interaction with Rita, the, the random lady that had come in at the, which by the way, in case you don't watch CW television shows, anytime there's a walk on guest that has lines, they're going to be significant in some way. Uh, But Rita basically tells her like, you know, you sit inside your circle of salt and you, you don't think you're being haunted or whatever. She's like, but just so you know, that circle of salt only works if you believe in it. So don't leave your circle. And then there's like a really like, I don't even remember what happened, but something happens and something catches on fire as the rest of the Drew crew walks in and she turns around and Rita is gone. Yeah. And Nick saves her, right? Like there's like something explodes and it's going to yes. hit her. And Nick's yep. like, uh-huh. Nick jumps in and saves her. her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it breaks her salt circle. It does. What happens. But then when she turns around, Rita is gone. Rita is so gone. I thought this was a significant moment because even for all of her bravado, this is proof that George believes in ghosts because basically, you know, she was telling her this, this only works if you believe in it and you believe in it. So don't leave your circle. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was really creepy, by the way. It was creepy. And it was like double confirmation because if you really didn't believe in it, you wouldn't sit in the circle in the beginning. She yeah. had been sitting in that goddamn circle for God knows how long. <laughs> she, yeah, she pretended it was for her friends. Yeah, but, but now it, yeah. she believes in it. She does. Then there's a really sweet moment. And this is probably the first moment we get of the Drew crew coming together, right? Where Nick is using his story as a way to bring them together. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know what? I'll be, I'll be it. I'll be the first one to go. And he tells them about the story of his friend, Austin, I think was his name. And basically how Austin was under the influence of something and was inappropriately touching a, a girlfriend of his and was trying to force Nick out of the party, but keep the girl there. And Nick wasn't having it. And so mm-hmm. Nick, you know, pushed him away or whatever off of the girl. And the guy fought back and just kept coming at Nick. And so Nick pushed him even harder and he fell through a window and died on impact. So we find out, you know, the story of his manslaughter and it's really tragic. It's, you know, because he went to jail for that. And Mm -hmm. really he was, he went to jail for being a good person. Like he did not mean to kill that guy. Like he was trying to protect his friend. And it kind of puts everything he's done into perspective. He, he, he's a protector. Like that's his personality. So all the Uh creepy stuff he's done for Nancy isn't so creepy anymore. Like that's just who he is. Um, And he goes to extreme lengths. To keep them safe. And I think it's a really 
it was the moment where you're like, okay, I Nick isn't a murderer. He isn't capable of murder. There's no way anyone, even if you if we hadn't known Tiffany uh, was his friend at that point, there was no way um, anyone who had gone through that would murder anyone yeah like no matter who they were like there's nick has is not capable of murder i do think they use this episode as a way to officially clear nick of suspicion Mm -hmm. at at this point we have no reason to suspect nick of anything uh all the things that we initially thought were suspect are not so suspect anymore he's been honest we know that he knew Kate. We know that he knew Tiffany. And he's even, he was even honest with Nancy about knowing her before he met her. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but because he's been honest about all those things, then we have to, we kind of assume that he's being honest with Nancy about, I didn't go out of my way to meet you, to get close to you, to use you. I went out of my way to meet you because your mom was so special to me. And I knew you through her and I wanted to meet you. And, you know, that's valid. And yeah, actions speak louder than words. And right now, Nick is the only one out of the Drew crew that has been open and honest. And I love that he was the one, he was like, I'll do it. I'll start this. I'll start the sharing <laughs> circle. And, you know, he, he explained it. And yeah, I, he had that one line also where he says, I didn't want to share this for the same, basically for the same reason you didn't want to share about your mom. But we learn in life and Teresa can acquiesce to this that (laughs) sometimes the things we don't want to share are the things we need to share, especially if we're going to get anywhere with our relationships with other people. That that's true. That is accurate. But he tells a story and the Drew crew all come for him and it's lovely. And I love it. Right after that is when George goes to put the harpoon that almost filleted her against the wall in a corner. It's no longer hanging up anymore, guys. (sighs) But she sees a newspaper article of a tourist who died during a nor'easter. And it was Rita. It was Rita. So Rita, the girl, was a ghost the whole time. And I knew it watching this episode from the beginning, of course, because I've seen it. And it was cool this time rewatching it and seeing all the little things like how she was dressed very old school, very retro. And she mentions that her only other job she had had was on wheels. And Bess is like, oh, I love those retro places. Um, yeah. So it was very obvious. I, here's the thing. It was super obvious. I knew she wasn't a real person. I, I knew she was going to be like a ghostly figure. In my head, I in one of my notes um, at the beginning, it's like Rita is is Rita Lucy is like Lucy undercover is she haunting? Um, because at that point we really only had Lucy sightings like, in quotations, right? And so, um, but this confirms that Lucy isn't the only ghost haunting or you know exploring Horseshoe Bay, right? This is my confirmation that my gut was right the whole time. There are multiple deaths that are suspicious, multiple reasons why people's souls may stay at Horseshoe Bay and feel like they need to do something. And so um, Rita is just the first one beyond Lucy that we have we have seen. So true. Um, uh, I knew I knew from the beginning, I had a vibe uh, that she, a vibe. she was sus, uh, suspect. I, uh, <laughs> it might be all of the horror movies I have seen that kind of clued oh, me in, um, but uh, I did. She was though. You were correct. Yeah, I was. I should have picked on like the like the seventies, like 60s, 70s vibes earlier vibes. on. And now she the wasn't actual listening. vibes. The aesthetic yeah, vibes. The, the aesthetic vibes. But um, I didn't. Those kind of went over my head simply because those kinds of things are back. Like the retro stuff is back, and people can mm-hmm. like That's for true. all we know, like things there come are back into fashion, especially now. Yeah, so um, it kind of went over my head. It's cool. I got it this time around. But anyway, so she realizes that Rita was a ghost, um, which doesn't phase her at all, by the way. She just keeps moving. She She's like, whatever. She, Which I found very strange for someone who's a non-believer. I was going to so say, but she's not a non-believer. I think that was further confirmation. And you'll see in a later episode that she has familial ties 
to the occult that uh, might also play into that. I think that George puts up a big bravado, but she is not a non-believer. So. Yeah, she's um, she might be a softy on the inside. Maybe. <laughs> Anyways, finally, hours later, Nick opens the freaking box. Can we talk about hours later? Really, I would have opened it immediately. <laughs> self-discipline has a name, and it is Ned Nickerson. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how he waited so long, but he opens the box and he's like what's this like he literally has no idea and nancy's like dude this is like five million dollars in bear bonds so my question is is it five million in today's money and nancy is just really good at math because bear bonds don't exist really anymore Mm -mm. um or was it five million in the time period it came out which is not accounting for inflation yeah ah that's a good question nancy's very smart but I don't hard. think she, she has that. I don't think she has a calculator for a break. I was scary to say, how does she know what inflation is? So until anyone tells me otherwise, <clears throat> Drew Crew writers, can you please chime in? Um, I'm going to choose to believe it's 5 million in pre-inflation. Which yeah. Means so it's, pro- it's, it's probably way more. more now. Yeah. yeah and so more. all of the money that Ryan's looking for is essentially in Nick's hands. It is. It's great. Isn't it great? <laughs> uh, and literally he took it from the lilac in right from under his nose. Which is something he wanted to strip for parts, which is so wonderful. That like he, he would have found it. Because he would have yes. found it. And so, yep. so they just got to it first. And he is very terrified of the money, which I put, I would be too. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Um, as you know as an, an ex-convict, someone who is constantly under suspicion, like I would be scared of it as not an ex-convict. So I can't imagine like, cause that's life-changing money and you start spending money like that. And guess what? People ask questions. Yeah. So, and, and I also think that's why Tiffany went out of her way, not just to hide it from Ryan, but went out of her way to give it to him. Like she wanted to give him a fresh start, but like, if she just straight up came out and gave him like five million dollars in bearer bonds people would be like is she sleeping with him like why is she giving there, him this there'd money? be a legal loophole for someone to take that money from him if she just exactly. gave it to him that's why she went through what she did on the dl to give it to him um but they're interrupted because nancy gets the text from ace that says he needs her help and this is the sweetest thing ever because nancy goes and she finds out Ace has figured out Bess is living in the van and Ace is like, I want to help her, but I feel like I'm not the right person and I don't want to embarrass her. Yeah. So he, he gets Nancy. And I just feel like, again, getting back to like Ace is really attuned to people. That was such a sweet thing to do. It was such a sweet thing to do. And it made me love Ace even more. And I already, it did, it I did really make me Ace. love Ace, but it also gave me a question as we hadn't really seen his living accommodations. And so I'm curious as to whether or not they're or what they are and like whether or not it's a, was a, if it was even an option for him to invite her over beyond it making her more embarrassed, right? Coming from Ace. Yeah. Well, We'll have to see where, where Ace is living. Like what are his, his living accommodations? <laughs> Not that I know. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. I know. I, I know. So he takes Nancy. So Nancy goes in and she basically makes best think it's like her idea to come to Nancy's house the way she tries and like make like, she knows that if she just came out and said, hey, come sleep at my house, Bess would be like, no, I can't put you out like that. So Nancy kind of tricks her into coming back to her house. But Bess was so excited. Yeah, not that she like, had to try very hard, but. She, she, take, she comes back to Nancy's house, but as she's packing, Tiffany Hudson's ring. Just falls goddamn to the floor and Nancy, of course, sees it because it clinks. <laughs> yep. And so she uh, picks up the ring and she's like, well, shit. So 
So I guess this means that Bess is now sus number one, suspect numero uno. Yeah, because she crossed Nick off the list. Yeah, so I feel like what they're doing at this point is using each episode to eliminate a suspect. I was going to say that. It's literally in my notes. <laughs> yeah, till, till, it's, till, there, till, till there is one. So Bess is number one. But also before we cut to black, we see uh, Carson finds the wine stains on Nancy's foot from the broken wine bottle. And he immediately knows that Nancy is the one that was at the Lilac Inn. And you can just practically like, he doesn't even do it, but you can see the eye roll. Oh my God. Like on I his can, face. You, everything about him, his whole body was a, just a giant eye roll. Everything about it. Just like, Jesus, Nancy, why? <laughs> why? Everything about it. But then, ghost sighting number six. Yep. Yep. So, this is why I was saying earlier, maybe it's not Ryan being haunted because now we see Carson is also being haunted. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, he is. He, but and he Ryan seems- was only haunted at their house. So it might be the house, but I'm not convinced it is. It might be the trunk that where the dress was in. It's kind of like Tiffany's ring. Oh, wait, you like- haven't seen that yet. Never <laughs> mind. Ignore, I just said that. <laughs> to be fair to you, uh, the next title is uh, The Haunted Ring. So it's Okay, yeah. Kind of like The Haunted Ring that you haven't seen yet. Um, yeah, that would check. And so, yeah, it... I'm not convinced Carson's being haunted. He seemed too unbothered, really. I mean, I'm trying to remember. It was just a, it was just a leaky, like he just felt water, right? I don't see, he didn't see the ghost, did he? No, he, no. um, he, no, he did. Cause he did. it was blood or, or water or whatever was dripping from the ceiling. Yeah, but I don't remember. Maybe it just didn't make an impact on me. I was like, I don't remember him look when he looked up the ghost he did not see it we saw it we saw it he did not okay yeah um which i guess he he might be haunted and and look and nancy wasn't in the house no wait wasn't she still in the house though no she was not she wasn't in the house yet no she was uh uh she was at she was getting that was before she got home with this yeah Yeah. all right maybe you're right Maybe it is the house. Maybe so. We'll see. <laughs> so that was the end. Not nearly as much in that episode. Still solid episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we did have some Easter eggs. So it's Easter egg time. Yay. The first Easter egg of the episode was the clock itself. Um, oh, really? Yeah, it was heavily featured in this episode. So the first, uh, the first Nancy Drew book is the Secret of the Old Clock, oh. and the the clock is very much the clue in that book, also. So okay. I, I was really stoked to see, and that also explains why it was an old clock, right? They were deliberately using that to call back to the Nancy Drew book. To the Nancy, okay. Yes, uh, and the second reference is the Lilac Inn. The Lilac Inn is a Nancy Drew book, The Mystery of the Lilac Inn. Oh. I don't recall the number. Uh, if if you know the number, make sure you hit me up on Twitter and tell me which one it was because I haven't Googled it. I should have done that. I'm lazy. But <laughs> I do remember when I was a kid, The Lilac Inn was one of my favorite Nancy Drew books. Okay. So two huge references in this episode as well as I truly think that they designed this episode and the puzzles and stuff to be like the Nancy Drew games. You cannot convince me otherwise. This entire episode felt like I was playing a Nancy Drew video game. And if you've never played them, they're a whole lot of fun. But <laughs> I really think that that they drew inspiration from it. And okay. I know they're aware of the video games because Kennedy McMahon's Twitter bio is, quote, it's up to you as Nancy Drew, which is the big line that's said at the beginning or at the end of every trailer of a Nancy Drew video game trailer. So it says, it's up to you as Nancy Drew and you know, to solve the mystery or whatever. So you can't convince me that that wasn't also a reference. I am, I'm putting that in my Easter egg hunt because <laughs> that is what it was. It was a reference. 
On a scale of one to five secretive old clocks, what are you giving this one? I think I'm going to stick with a three. I know I gave the three the last episode, but I'm going to give a three to this one as well. Um, It's a solid episode, maybe a three and a half, but um, it's a solid episode. Um, I still don't, I don't, I don't think I feel like it's better than the second episode. So I I don't feel uncomfortable rating it more. (laughs) Got you. Well, I'm going to say it's four secret of old clocks. A little bit better just because, again, the whole episode felt like a Nancy Drew video yeah, game. And it was a lot of the, fun for me. The nostalgia <laughs> factor. I get it. I get it. Yeah, it, it did. Because that that the whole puzzle solving and the numbers and the pictures and the books and stuff, that is heavily gleaned from the Nancy Drew video game. So okay. it was a lot of fun for me. But yeah, so I'm going to give it a four. All right. Time for Teresa's prediction. <laughs> Um, okay, here's the thing. Um, this one, the first one I have may now be, uh, you might have convinced me otherwise, but <laughs> I was convinced that Ryan know, has information regarding Lucy's murder. Um, okay. Uh, given his haunting, you did say, and it just made, I was just so convinced that Ryan is involved that I just completely just threw out the clear evidence that Carson's also being haunted. So it might be the house, but I was just like, Ryan knows something about Lucy's murder. Um, And for some reason, I think, is that why Ryan and Tiffany, like, is that how they met? Cause she is younger. Right. And so. um, She would have been younger than Tiffany. Uh, She would have been younger than Lucy. Tiffany would have been. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, did they connect over this murder? Did they connect over Lucy? Um, and that's just some, that's just a thought. It's less a prediction, more of a thought that I had. Yeah. Um, I am so happy that Rita was a thing because it has convinced me that there are more ghosts out there to be seen and to be heard and <laughs> to find a medium to interpret. Um, I do think Tiffany then will be a ghost that we see um, eventually. And I think maybe Kate will make an appearance as a ghost. Um, And so that would be. That would be so sad. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah. Okay. And then the last prediction I have is that Karen's involved with not Tiffany's murder, but with Lucy's murder because I think Tiffany and Lucy are connected and I think Tiffany's murder is connected to Lucy Sable. So uh, I know Karen is too old to be like friends with Tiffany uh, given our previous Uh discussion about Carson. And so I think she might be friends with Lucy or might have known Lucy. Friends might be a little strong of a word, but- um, Yeah, I got you. Yeah. Well, and like I said, she did want Tiffany's murder- Solved. solved very very quickly even uh, even if it was not the correct person she did not uh, seem interested in true justice yeah so it made made it a little suspect to me and so I again I would have connected her to Tiffany in some way but she's too old so I'm connecting her to Lucy okay because I feel like you Lucy's think Tiffany and Lucy are intertwined yeah I do think they're okay. intertwined I do think because I feel like Lucy's story is at the center and it's just being brought to light because of Tiffany and so that can only make sense if they're connected in some way truth <laughs> all right well we will see for all my Nancy Drew fans Drudes out there who've already seen two seasons make sure <laughs> you dm me on twitter so we can secretly laugh at Teresa and her predictions <laughs> I'm just kidding I cannot repeat this enough <laughs> really i'm either on the nose <laughs> far off my being in between non-existent most of the times so i either get it right or i am i miss the mark completely like it's not even well, in range <laughs> speaking of twitter though you can find me at twitter i am at slowburn mac slowburn mac on twitter if you are looking for me and Teresa, where can they find you I am also on Twitter. You can find me at Ter, T-E-R-E underscore DV95. I would love to hear from you and you can laugh to my face. I would not be. <laughs> I do uh, all the time. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> like, I won't be offended. You can just be like, ha, you're wrong. And I would be like, no, you're wrong. <laughs> it, it is a lot of fun, though, hearing from uh, <laughs> people who have listened to the podcast. 
Uh, yes. that was, and that was something we didn't think we would actually have. So yeah, and, and, and if you are also like watching it for the first time with us, hit us up with your predictions. Do you agree with me? Do you think, you know, I'm far off and you have your own uh, idea of where the story is going. Please. Actually, really that interested. would be a great segment. If we got enough predictions in from people on social media, we could give you a shout out on our podcast and yeah. make its own segment of audience predictions. So, so you know, just DM us with predictions. We would love to hear from you um, and see uh, how wrong I am compared to the, the general Aww. population. <laughs> It's not that bad. Maybe a little. (laughs) All right. So we're ending this episode with a body count of one and a ghost sighting count of six. Six is what we're up to. But until next time, we'll catch you later, Drudes. Yes. Bye.